Cappuccino with Constable Brian. Real people, real stories. Tori Peterson is the current social media manager for the Calgary Flames, a professional NHL ice hockey team based in the city of Calgary, Alberta. She's also been an outreach worker. She's been a conservation worker in South Africa, and she describes herself as a burrito connoisseur. So without further ado, it's my great pleasure to introduce Tori Peterson to the Cappuccino Podcast. If you were going to have a coffee with me, Tori, and we were sitting in the patrol car, because that's normally how I do the podcast, what coffee (laughs) would you have? Oh, black. Just straight black coffee. Nothing in it. Legend. Look, just to show you. <laughs> Look. Boom. Done. Oh. Okay. Kindred right. spirits. Yeah, yeah. Amen, sister. Um, you are obviously a massive soccer fan, and there's nothing wrong with that, or as where I come from, we call it football. Um, <laughs> whose social media would you like to run if you were going to run a football club's uh, social media and why? Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, I'm a big fan of women's soccer or football. Sorry, I'll go with your terms. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I'd like to help out with the Portland Thorns. They're my favorite team uh, and they do an excellent job. So maybe don't run it, but help out. (laughs) Good way. That's all good. If you hit to now, obviously, uh, earlier on this week, we saw the Seattle Kraken, I'm going to say rise from the ocean because that's what they've done. (laughs) Um, If you had to name an NHL team off the top of your head, what would you call it? Oh my gosh, we just had this conversation at work and I said mountain goats and I'm sticking with it. The mountain goats. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, that'll work. Yeah. It's unique. Yeah, okay. If you could run anybody's social media, who would it, whose would it be and why? You know what? I love what Red Bull has done as a brand. Um, they've expanded from a pure product into a lifestyle. So I think it'd be really cool to run a Red Bull account because they have many. I don't even uh, care which one. Just a Red Bull account. <laughs> yeah, and look, let's be honest, nobody can top what Felix Bogama's drop from the rocket and all that type of stuff, so I'm completely with you. Um, who is your favorite social media guilty pleasure? Oh my gosh, People Magazine. <laughs> oh yeah, okay, that's all right. <laughs> and I, like, I don't like to say that I love celebrity gossip, but I like it's a weird mental reprieve to go and you know, go through their feeds. <laughs> I, if it works, it works, that's all good. What's been your biggest fangirl moment while you've been the uh, social media manager for Calgary? Oh my gosh. Uh, I've met Tegan and Sarah who are a a pop duo from Calgary, but they haven't lived in Calgary in years. Um, And they, right after they had done a bit of a tour with Taylor Swift, they were back home for something and we presented them with jerseys. And usually I I don't really get starstruck very often, but I a hundred percent asked for a photo. Still have it. It's framed. (laughs) That's good. That's like me meeting Cor Blund and wearing my Calgary Flames hat. You can imagine how well that went. Yes. What's Calgary like? What's Canada like at the moment with COVID? Um, You know what? We're very lucky um, in terms of, especially when you look south of us, something so close. And uh, we have a, a relatively low um, case number every day, positive case number every day. So things are slowly opening up. Um, most things are open up at a limited capacity and we're really lucky. We live, I live like door to door, 45 minutes from the Rocky mountains. So for me, I can just head out and hike anytime. So I consider myself lucky. I don't have to be locked down very much. Things are relatively open and pretty, and there's pretty healthy populations. So cannot complain. Legend. What's been the best thing about uh, the COVID lockdown for you guys? Well, for you personally. Uh, it started out as a struggle, to be honest, uh, but creating content from nothing, yeah. especially March and April, yeah. and even into June, 
Uh, it forces you to think outside the box in a way that honestly, a lot of people in sports probably never have to because there's a season you work within the season, you're go, 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 go. Off season is for more long form content and you get a little bit of a break. This was just a hard stop with zero precedent to how to handle it. So it forced me to think outside the box in terms of how we can keep our brand going and keep a consistent presence um, while managing my day-to-day life because it is stressful. Um, but I think it was definitely a positive because I found out that I'm a little more creative than I would have given myself credit for pre-COVID. And as probably your most southern fan, I'm, I'm going to have that. <laughs> I'm going to have that title. Uh, yes. I'm not without blowing smoke. You know where you've done an amazing job. Uh, anytime we get to see more Lenny is a good thing. Um, okay what's been the worst thing about uh the COVID lockdown for you personally Uh, I travel a lot outside of work so for my job I obviously travel a lot and that's a a really cool thing but uh on a personal level I do travel a lot in the longest stint I had uh, spent at home in my own bed um from the age of 20 onwards was three weeks so after week four I'm like this is weird I do not (laughs) like this um and I have elderly grandparents and I didn't want to visit them too early yeah. on. I was very wary of that. So I didn't even go see my parents. They live in Alberta, six hours north of me. So I stayed back and I think I was home for nine weeks in my own house before I went and got a COVID test, was clear, went and saw my family. And that was the weirdest, biggest struggle that I wasn't anticipating because I never really thought about it. Like yeah. I'm gone all the time. I'm constantly in motion. And, uh, to have to sit and be still for a while was a struggle, yeah. admittedly. I feel your pain. We've, we've been there and done our lockdown, but I definitely feel your pain, trust <laughs> me. Um, in just a few days, my time and your time, the Stanley Cup playoffs start. Um, what does your social media warm up look like? Because all of a sudden we've gone from, like you, like you said, you've had some really creative content with um, even like um, PlayStation um, reenactments <laughs> with the Flames versus the Canucks and that type of stuff. And that's been really good. But obviously, you've had to sort of crank the engine back up again in such a short time. What's it? What's that been like? Uh, you know what? I'm really glad we had the exhibition game against Edmonton. Um, and I, I'm not even sure it would show on the feed or not, but we're definitely a little bit rusty um, in terms of game timing. Yeah. And uh, trying to figure that out and making sure that everything's kind of covered off. And we have a lot of different items from a social media perspective that are sponsored that need to be hit at certain times. So I, I've never had to write any of it down. It's usually just in my head because it's like day to day for us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this one, I had a checklist that I had to go. I would have forgotten half the stuff if I didn't yeah. have the checklist. So it was, it was rusty. Uh, so heading into Saturday, I am so thankful that we had an exhibition game because I don't know. Know, like to you have you have naturally have nerves heading into these games even as a staff member right like it's yeah. very cool like playoffs are fun and exciting but there's also that nervous element to it so uh on top of everything else i am don't know how well i would have managed saturday had we not had a basically a test run so yeah. uh that one i think we're ready we're ready now we've got all the little kinks out of the way that's all good and i think i'm roughly about twice your age even though i look like i'm 27 <laughs> Um, that's called old, old, old age as well. So you wait, it's a kicker. You start listing everything down. Um, okay, so the playoffs now have got hub cities, obviously with Toronto and Edmonton and the teams based there for the playoffs. Um, how has that been for everybody at the Flames? Has that been really weird? 
It is uh, because we, uh, the league had stipulated you needed one content creator. Now how you delegated who a content creator was, was up to you per team. Uh, we chose a videographer who has gone up there for the duration of however long we're there. Um, and work, he's, oh, we've worked together for 10 years, he and I. So we're basically like siblings at this point, which is really cool. And it's very helpful right now because we communicate really well. Uh, yet like the last couple of days, I think we've probably sent 100 to 200 text messages back mm -hmm. and forth. Because uh, he's not only doing his normal duties, he's sending stuff back for me. Um, and we're figuring out timing, where we can be, where he can shoot, uh, what can be even posted on social in-game because there are broadcast restrictions uh, with Sportsnet. So what we can post in-game, what we can post the next day, things like that. So um, that's how we're operating right now. It's worked really well since they arrived on Sunday. Um, we've been collecting some really cool stuff. Um, and it, But it is weird. It's weird not to be in the – like I worked from home last night for a game and I haven't done that in a long time. Um, it was fine. It was just a different experience. Like, Oh, like you can't sit down on the couch cause you're going to have a nap if you do. So you need to stay sitting at your desk. Yeah. Um, and, but I think uh, as most teams would probably tell you, as long as you have good communication with whoever your content creator is in that hub city, things will go smoothly. And as long as they know what you're looking for, you're probably set because they have full access. So uh, like our cameraman, Andrew, he can be in the locker room with the guys. Um, he can be at event level, obviously in game and send me back footage from there that we can post. Um, he just has really unique access. So um, definitely different, but we're getting some really cool stuff that we normally wouldn't get. Yeah. Like the footage, for instance, uh, of the players hotel rooms and that type of stuff that was a really nice touch. And I don't think many fans would actually, when I first saw it, I thought, oh, it's a bit... And then I thought, no, actually, that's a really nice touch because these guys are away from their families for a long, long time, and I don't think people realise how difficult that is, especially for... And I know that we all go, oh, professional athletes, they're being played to play sport, blah, 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 but they're away from their family for a long time, um, and lots of them have got little children, so it was a really nice touch. So, And it looked amazing on the video as well, FYI. Awesome. Oh, good. Um, so you obviously are not on tour with the team um, being... <laughs> based in Calgary, because you're sitting right in your lounge, so that's all good. Um, how weird is it, though, with those stadiums empty and no fans being there live? Uh, you know what? I didn't find it as odd as I thought it would because I've been watching other sports come back. And I've seen sports with the fake crowd noise, the pumped-in volume that comes in, and I've seen them without it. And I would much rather hear the fake crowd noise. It makes it seem a little more natural. Um, the, I, I tried to watch a few soccer games without the crowd noise and it was awkward. It felt weird yeah. because fans are such a huge part of the overall experience, even when you're viewing it at home. So I thought it was relatively normal until they panned to the seats and you saw the big tarps hanging over. Uh, that's where it got a little odd and the wide crowd, like the wide shot of the arena was just very, it, it was just it will take some time to get used to, but I do like that they have the pumped in crowd noise. Yeah, it keeps a, it a little more organic. I'm just going to say this now. If you have a job application for the Saddle Dome and they actually need somebody to push the button for the crowd noises, I'll be, <laughs> I'll be putting my CV in, okay? okay. <laughs> That's all good. No worries. Um, how the heck did you go from being an outreach worker to working for an <laughs> NHL team? Because that's one heck of a um, trip. Yeah. It, you know what? It was honestly just a job opportunity that kind of fell into my lap. Uh, my brother is autistic, my younger brother. Um, and so I've had a lot of experience with working with people with disabilities. Um, 
And so that played a part in it and taking that role um, and having that kind of outlook on that role. So for me, it was just came up as a position that was offered while I was in university. Um, and it was, uh, it was just a unique opportunity to, to do something different than I had thought in my head I would ever do. Um, and once I started to do it, it became really clear that this was just a really cool position that offers you the chance to make a difference in other people's lives. And giving, in a sense, is selfish because you feel good about yourself after you've given something to someone else. Yeah. So it was a very feel-good job all the time. And maybe that was a, maybe that's selfish to say, but it, it feels good to be able to lend a helping hand to people who uh, may be going through a rough spot in their life. Um, or have been down their luck in some sense. So being able to have that experience and understand, get a greater understanding of how, you know, some people fall down on their luck, even just how they got there, yeah. uh, I thought was really valuable. And it gives you a, a greater sense of empathy than I thought that I had. So uh, from going from there, though, I had a practicum with the flames. Um, it was like supposed to be two weeks, I think. It was very short. Um, and at that time, our site was like very, very rudimentary. Social media wasn't a thing. So I'm doing a couple of jobs all at once. I have this internship. I do the two weeks. Uh, and it was only one gentleman running the website back then. It was, that was it. And he realized very quickly that he could use a second pair of hands in this. So he said, can I pay you to work game nights? And it turned into a full-time position. I was a contractor while I went to school and had other jobs. And then it just morphed into a full-time position. And uh, that gentleman was actually Mike Board, who's now the GM of the Calgary Roughnecks, our lacrosse team here. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. In, so he had an interesting career path as well from website to lacrosse GM. So uh, interesting way to go about getting here, but, you know, it, like pretty cool experiences along the way. Yeah, it definitely works. That's for sure. And I've seen a couple of the Roughnecks games in the Saddle Dome. Yes. Heaps of fun. So what do you think the biggest problem is or issue with social media is? I think the herd mentality, no matter what the topic or subject or, um, you know, hot button item of the day is, herd mentality can lead you to stop thinking on your own. Um, obviously, that's what herd mentality is. But yeah. it, and socially, you, it, it's just so immediate. And you, it's gratifying to see other people who agree with you and you, you immediately hop into whatever conversation it is without maybe thinking it through. Uh, and you see a lot of people fly off the handle with comments or remarks that likely if they had a couple minutes to think about, they would not post. Uh, that kind of instant gratification to see your thoughts thrown out there into the world or join a conversation, I think can lead to a lot of awkward moments for people and a lot of regret. Uh, so I like for myself personally, I always took in the, taken the position that, you know, I don't really need to share my personal political thoughts or anything like that. If it's a hot button item, I'm just not going to comment because it's not worth it to maybe post something that becomes very public and you'll regret later. Uh, yeah. I think a well thought out statement, fine, but just to immediately blast out your thoughts because you see six or seven other people on your feed talking about something, uh, I think it leads to a lot of regret and yeah. um, it leads to a lot of shaming of people as well. You see social shaming on, on all ends of the spectrum, no matter the topic. And uh, you see people absolutely outright shamed and, and maybe had people taken a step back and maybe 
tried to look at it from that person's perspective, they could gain a better understanding of even if they were wrong in whatever they did, how they came to that decision. Um, and I just don't think that's fair to people and it puts people in a really tricky spot. So, yeah. And, um, uh, for me, when I see lots of comments about players, for instance, from fans, and we all know that fans get rabid sometimes. That's why they're passionate supporters. There's yep. nothing, nothing wrong with that. There's nothing good about it sometimes either. But um, when they fire stuff off at players and it becomes personal, and you know me, I'm a big fan of goaltenders. They're God's people as far as I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> But, you know, uh, that guy couldn't catch a cold. And, you know, if the Titanic was sinking, he'd be the first guy overboard, that type of stuff. It really, like you say, it's personal. It just, it isn't needed for one of a better word. And I always think to myself, if that person was standing right in front of you, you'd actually have the nerve to ask them for an autograph or a picture. So it's, yeah, kind of crazy. Um, social media is a great tool to reach across multiple levels of fans. And I'm proof of that because I'm a New Zealand supporter in the Calgary Flames. Um, what's the biggest challenge since the lockdowns happened for you and the rest of the social media team being at the Flames? Uh, you know what, it does, even though we work digitally, uh, it sounds weird, but it, it is odd to have to communicate over email, text, Zoom, uh, to not be able to walk down the off the halls and check into someone's office um, just for a quick chat. If it's just to clarify something, a small matter or a small topic, uh, it is difficult and you miss people. Like I miss my, I miss working with people. Mm -hmm. um, it's one thing to email someone six, seven times a day. It's another thing to just be sitting beside them and working and having those day-to-day -day conversations. Uh, the one thing that I, I love about sports, maybe more so than the actual sport themselves is the people who work in sports are so passionate mm. and you generally need to be because a lot of times when you're getting into this industry no matter the sport your pay is often fairly low entry level so you have to be passionate to stick it out and move up the ranks and those people are often like-minded kindred spirits so you become really close friends outside of work so I miss my friends like I, yeah. I miss being in the office with my friends every day it's such a I would never would have thought of it until we've been separated, but it's just such a, you're so fortunate if you're able to work with friends every day and have that kind of relationship. Yeah. You're not wrong. Um, you obviously have a great social awareness um, at the flames and personally as well, because obviously you've got the alumni projects, you've got your personal causes too. You've got ALS, obviously with one of the flames management team being affected there, autism, earth day that I know that you uh, really get into. <laughs> Do you think that sometimes on social media, it's really, easy to get um, overwhelmed by causes and how do you filter it personally because I mean I know other media managers for uh, and I'm not going to call them professional because they're not um, somebody like Luke Jones probably more than our, one of our entire rugby teams but um, how do you filter it out as a social media manager because you must get hundreds of requests for oh you know could you get this to do this or could you get this person or could we have this so how do you filter it out we have to, our foundation does a great job of uh, reaching out to people who maybe we can't devote um, social or digital resources to and maybe donating like an auction item or something like that to help make up for that. But we do have a very limited amount of what I call inventory in our schedule. Mm -hmm. um, we can't just absolutely blast content out all the time for no reason. It needs to have a purpose. And for us, when it comes to social causes, uh, it has to align with the organization's uh, ideals and what they're emphasizing. So the organization is very charity-minded. We have a great foundation team. Um, 
they're very, very active in the community, but we do have pillars within that they work within. So if it's something that's not within one of the pillars, it is hard to devote time to even if it's a great cause. So that's where you have the ability to donate to auction items or, or you know, bring, maybe bring some people in uh, for a game experience, something like that. Uh, but for myself, if it doesn't fit within a pillar, I immediately filter it off to the foundation to have them work and see what we can do for the, the cause or the organization. If it is, we try to find space for them within some section of our digital sphere. It might not be social. Maybe it's on the webpage somewhere. Um, maybe it's on the foundation webpage. Um, it, it just kind of depends on where it lands in one of those pillars. Yeah. Uh, so obviously amateur sports is a huge thing. Uh, we are a sports team. And we spend a lot of money as a foundation to ensure that youth in Calgary and Southern Alberta have a chance to participate in, in amateur sports and grassroots sports. So a lot of times things are, we get a lot of requests from teams, younger teams. Yeah. Um, so we try to find space. We can't, I, I can't guarantee that I, we can support your cause online, but we can help you another way. Um, Otherwise, we work really well within our departments to decide what we want to shine a light on. And it's generally something that the foundation will have a direct hand in. So with the ALS campaign, um, our, our assistant general manager as ALS, he was given a year to live last June. It's now, you know, almost August. And uh, he hasn't really had any setbacks. It's incredible. Um, but that's something that the foundation is is involved with directly. So we're able to dedicate a lot of space to that socially. So that's how we filter it through. Personally, I think, like you said, it, it, you can feel overwhelmed. Yeah. Like I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough for the world. I'm not doing enough for my city, my country, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. You have, to, I think as a human being, we have to pick maybe a few core causes that we are very connected to personally and go with that. And and I know it's hard and you can feel overwhelmed. And I've often felt guilty if I haven't been able to support something. Uh, you have to, I have to take a step back and realize there's only so much you can do as an individual before you burn out. So you need to take care of yourself first, mentally, emotionally, physically. And that includes being able to decide where you spend your time and your emotional effort. And if you're not taking care of yourself, you're not going to be able to help anyone else in the long run. So I have my own personal ties to several causes and that's kind of where I funnel my energy and attention. It's not taking away from anyone else's um, at all, but I think as an individual, you need to be able to set your own barriers there. Yeah. Speaking of charity cases, what did you think? <laughs> what did you think when a New Zealand police officer contacted you and said, Hey, can I spend a couple of days with you in Calgary and, have a look at how you guys do your social media. I thought it was so cool. I'm like, no way. Like who in New Zealand is following the flames? Like at yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought it was really awesome. Like uh, that kind of stuff is really unique to me. And I'm like more than happy. Yeah, to... yeah. It was, uh, yeah, thank you. But it was really, really cool. Um, and it was funny because when I got given that fellowship, they were asking different people what they were doing. I'm like, I'm going up to Calgary to spend some time with the flames and everybody like what? And I had to explain to them and it's like, uh, don't worry about it. It's all good. Okay. All right. So um, now you obviously you tell your mum, tell your list, tell our listeners what your mum used to make you do every earth day and what you still do to this day. Cause that's incredible. I, I think it's amazing. It's something my family does as well, but what did your mum make you used to do? When we were kids, we'd, she was like, you know what? It's one thing to recognize like an Earth Day or anything like that. It's another thing to go and do something about it. So we'd go and pick an area and pick garbage, essentially, clean up an area, um, take the garbage and the recycling and clean it all up and then 
be done with it. That was our Earth Day contribution. And uh, I still do it to this day as an adult. It kind of becomes ingrained in you, right? That's yeah. you know part of your childhood and it becomes part of your adulthood. So this year, it was kind of weird because everyone's in lockdown at that point. Earth Day was right around like peak quarantine time for the world. Um, but I went out and I still picked a bag of garbage and then I ended up picking up like seven because yeah, once you yeah. start, it's, it's like oddly therapeutic. I, if It's weird to describe, but like I go out there and it's like your mind is just like, it's, I think it's, I don't meditate. I, like I feel like my mind isn't built for that. It's too yeah. busy, but that's <laughs> the closest I can get to meditation and have your mind being still is like yeah. just that like, it's just a root task that you're just picking up trash and like putting away and you feel good after like, yeah. like, look at what I did. You can, you can tangibly see what you've done. So yeah, there was, there was part of me that almost thought about DMing you and saying, Hey Tori, I'm just going to put on my police officers that here and just say, just be careful coming out of the woods with like four big bags of rubbish. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah okay. that is, see, I yeah. never would have thought of that. There you go. That's all good. <laughs> um, you've got a South African connection. Where does that come from? And oh my goodness, thank goodness I didn't send you an all black jersey is all I'm saying. Yep. I, uh, I, I don't even know how I was young. I, I moved over there after I was done high school. Um, sounds weird. A Canadian kid just going yeah. to South Africa, moving yeah. like, on her own. I didn't move with my family. Like I moved on my own. Yeah. Um, and I, honestly, now I don't even know where I got the guts to do that. Like, I feel like I've become a baby in my old age. When I was a kid, <laughs> I was like, I'll go anywhere. I don't care. I moved to South Africa and I, I started to work on a game reserve. Um, yeah. And I lived with, a, with the game manager and his family, which was incredible. Um, because you immediately become a part of that country when you're living mm -hmm. with a family. Um, and it was an incredible experience. I, I almost went into conservation instead of communications. And it's still something I think about, like maybe as a, you know, retirement yeah. gig. Yeah. I don't know if I can ever retire. I'm too busy. Yeah. I like being busy. So um, it was an incredible experience. I go back every year. This will be uh, not this year. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so honestly, yeah. 20, 2020 has put a quash on that. I'll be back as soon as possible. And I've thought about um, someone who is the, really cool luxury of working remotely during the off season most of the time this year's a little different but uh during the off season i can do my job anywhere like if, yeah. as long as i have an internet connection i can do it so i've been thinking about having kind of a part-time base in cape town so that i can see the family and go back and forth and uh obviously travel a lot so the flight isn't a big deal i can i can do a 30-hour flight i'm fine with it yeah, i yeah, sleep the yeah. whole time yeah. But uh, it, it like it feels like ho it is home. It is yeah. home. Um, so really sad that I can't go back this year. I'll wait, you know, till the world calms down a bit. But yeah, I, I feel your pain. Trust me, I'd be up there with you now. <laughs> I feel your pain. Um, what type of policy or rules or guidelines do you give your players when they come in um, with social media? Just roughly. Well, the league has done a really good job of kind of giving a framework to the players via the NHLPA. However, internally, we we do ask uh, a few things. We give them guidelines and examples of, you know, maybe just don't do this because here's the repercussions. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a big believer in being able to show why you shouldn't do something or why you should because yep. um, just rules is not going to really do much. You need to be able to see the impact of whatever we're asking you to do or not to do. So um, during the July development camp, which you would have been here for, unfortunately, had 2020 not happened, uh, we have a social media presentation for the players that 
the younger players so that as soon as they enter the organization, uh, they're immediately part of what we want to do digitally and socially, and they understand the guidelines we have in place and why they're in place. Um, we also, this year has been really good, I think, maybe because all the guys are in quarantine <laughs> most yeah. of the time, but uh, yeah. they've been posting a lot more. Um, hockey players generally are a bit more reserved on social media. I'm sure you've mm -hmm. noticed compared to other athletes. Um, it's just kind of the nature of the sport, the team first, not me first. Yeah. Um, and that, that bleeds into everything they do. So they don't want to be showy on social a lot of the time. Uh, but we want them to post more. Uh, players posting is extremely valuable, not only for themselves and their own personal brands, but it's great for their organizations because it brings a broader reach for us. Uh, they may have fans who are not fans of the team and we bring them in that way. Yeah. But during 2020, the last four months, our guys have been posting a ton and um, they've been sharing everything that we've been posting, which is great. So uh, that's also something we talk to them about. We're like, you know what, when we post something, feel free to share it or ask me for photos. I often send photos to the guys if there's great shots that we have. Mm -hmm. They don't have access to them. So I'll send them to the guys directly if they want to post, um, especially around the start of a season, start of playoffs, uh, any kind of special event. We'll send them photos so that they can share our videos. Um, but So that's a big part of it is asking them to be a bit more active on their own. And if they're not comfortable or they're unsure, we're there to guide them. There's no, there's no question that they can ask us. If they want to send us a DM like through Twitter, me via text or email, whatever it is, we're yep. more than happy to help guys out. Um, Cause a lot of guys want to build their personal brand. Um, you know, sponsorships are a thing. Like they yep. might want to yep. expand their reach that way. And the only way you're going to get these different sponsorship deals is if you have a bigger following. So you need to build that and, and teaching them how to build that responsibly is a really important aspect of my job. Um, and we, I think we've made great strides with our players and as the players, as we evolve, uh, in the space, players are more socially savvy. So like a younger guy is going to know how to handle himself on social more so than maybe an older guy because they didn't grow up with social media. It wasn't a part of their day-to-day -day life. Like a Matthew could check, like he doesn't need any help. Like he knows exactly what he's doing. So yeah. thing like we're there to help them and guide them. Um, there's not a lot of restrictions in place. I think most guys are smart enough to see what you shouldn't post on social from bad examples, but uh -huh. we're there to give them kind of a framework. Yeah, not wrong. Wait till Dustin Wolf gets started. <laughs> uh, okay, so you have a sports knowledge that would put most people to shame. How do you keep up with the stats and the profiles and the transfer <laughs> news and everything else? Because I'm a passionate fan, right? So. I'm on YouTube, I've got the NHL app, I'm looking at your feed, I'm looking at other feeds. I'm like, holy heck, I can't keep up with all of this. How do you keep up with it? Uh, I think maybe because I don't keep up with a lot else. Like, I have a, I, that sounds really awful, but because yeah. my job is, is very much non-traditional in the hours. Mm. Like, I'll be, like last night, I think I finished at 1 a.m. Calgary time. After the game, I went to bed. I was immediately just, I couldn't sleep. Because after games, I, there's an adrenaline rush. So you scroll through Twitter, you're scrolling through it. It just, that's your day-to-day -day life. Every part of your life is kind of consumed by sport. Um, doesn't sound healthy when I say it like that, but uh, it is great to be passionate about your job. Yeah. Uh, I have, you know, I watch the news every day. So I have a general gist of what's going on in the world. But honestly, like, it's not like I have you know, outside passions, outside of sports, it sounds weird mm -hmm. that I'm keeping up with. So I think my brain's able to retain it like that. And I think when you're working in an industry that you're passionate about, 
your memory is going to log that information and keep it more so yeah. than the other day I asked uh, our videographer, he's the uh, same age as me, a couple months older. I had to ask him, I'm like, how old are we? Like, what year were we born? He's like, how do you not remember this? I'm like, well, it's not like I care how old I am. I'm, I'm 33. Yeah. So, but it took me a half a second to be like, how old are we? Yeah. And like, so maybe I'm not retaining other things. And my yeah. mind is just storing that information. I, I feel your pain. I can remember players' numbers off the back of their jerseys and that type of stuff. And people are like, how can you remember that? But not remember to get me like a packet of rice when you go shopping. I'm like, eh, you know, that's just the way it's it is. It's gone. Yeah, yeah. That's all right. I'm punch drunk. Um, you know, you, you write a number of articles for the Flames and the NHL.com. Um, do you worry about what we, in New Zealand, we call them train spotters um, who are stats fans uh, mm-hmm. or the diehards? Or do you view that as part of the challenge when you're writing the article to basically, you know, okay, let's get this article done. And I know that there might be a little bit of feedback from some of those stats fans, but this, this article is solid. There's no drama. Yeah, there is, there used to be when I was younger. Uh, I think it maybe comes with a bit more maturity and, and understanding that you're never going to please everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, you're never going to be the be all end all for everyone. Uh, so it, if there is something that maybe, you know, we uh, hockey fans, there's a lot of um, like analytics based fans, which is cool. That's no problem. I have a a base knowledge of advanced analytics. Um, I can get by in conversations, but sometimes there are players that are very polarizing because either they're incredibly advanced in terms of the analytics or analytics people hate them because they just don't match up to whatever criteria criteria they rank a player as. So, but some fans are more like a character based, they have character based favorites, right? Yeah. Like they love the fourth line energy guy yeah. who might have terrible analytics, but yeah. they love him nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, so if you're writing about a guy who you know is polarizing, I a hundred percent expect people, the comments underneath to be wildly varied in Either this is the stupidest thing I've ever read or this is the greatest thing I've ever read. And I think the key, and it, it comes with getting older, is just if you keep a level temperament, yeah. Yeah. nothing's going to ruffle your feathers. I know what going in. There's guys that are just, as soon as you post about them, they're, or the other fan bases hate them. Yeah. Like you have like a guy like Brad Marchand or Matthew Kachuk. Other yeah. teams hate them. Our fans love, like they're, if they're on your team, you love them. If yep. they're not on your team, you hate them. So, yep. Is it hard being a social media manager for a male sports team? I would imagine, and I only know this from doing some of the social media for the police, that you would get trolled something chronically because, you know, you're a blonde girl who knows nothing about, you've never played the game. I can just imagine some of the, the old men wearing their plaid with their beards down to their sort of belly buttons going bananas about some of the stuff that you say about the game and some of the players coming in. Um, Do you get much trolling yourself or not? Uh, I used to, um, but I think like times are changing a little bit. I'm not saying that we've, you know, done a total 180 in that regard, but it seems like more and more sports fans that perhaps may have balked at having a female commentator or a female social media manager or personality, whatever it may be in the past, are they're evolving a bit in terms of their thought process there. Mm-hmm. We, I still get some, I get weird messages, weird DMS and you just delete them. Like it's just, yeah. I, I can't uh, expend the energy on negativity. Uh, yeah. Like that's my, and when I was younger though, it was totally different. I a hundred percent took it personally. Um, 
you carry that with you and it is hard. Um, and I think maybe you build a shell is the best way to describe it. But at this point, like I have a lot going on in my day-to-day life on top of my job. So I need to be able to focus on the things that I need to do. And so I just can't give any energy to people who are just being outright negative or trolling. It just, I know it's hard. It's easier said than done. And it took years of being able to work through that to get to this point. Uh, but it's just, it's like water off my back at this yeah. point. So mind over matter. You don't mind cause that don't matter. Um, how far in advance do you plan your social media for the flames? Uh, in a regular season, it's pretty easy to plan. Um, obviously things come up day to day, but I can almost go, I don't know, every two weeks at a time just to give or take for some flexibility there. Right now it's day by day. <laughs> like playoffs are yeah, another yeah. animal. Playoffs are another animal. Adding 2020 into the mix is just an entirely new, it's just an entirely new landscape for us. So right now we're going day to day. I have a, a weekly calendar going that I distribute to uh, a variety of departments who have content that may need to be distributed on social media. Uh, and it changes by the day at the hour at this point, like yeah. I've changed it probably for today, three or four times. Uh, so we just have a Google sheet and that way people can come in and see, and I change it on the fly. So, uh, but normally it's a little bit easier to work. <laughs> you have a game, you have a game schedule. Like, you yeah. know where you're going to be for 82 games. So Yeah, exactly right. You're not wrong. Is it difficult when you get a player from a rival team come and play at the flames and to get your fans infused? Like, so obviously um, for those, of us who don't follow Oscar Cadet well, you had um, Cam Talbot come from the Oilers. You lose Mike Smith, who was one of the Flames' favourites, up to Edmonton, so he instantly becomes an en- enemy. Uh, you have different players coming in and out. You have coaches going, coaches coming. How hard is it to get fans infused when somebody new comes in? It's, it depend- I think it depends on the player. I- I'm going to use Milan Lucic as a, a great example. Yeah, perfect example. He came in and immediately endeared him. Like, Flames fans hated him when he played for the Oilers and all of a sudden he's traded here and he's a fan favorite. It's he's like a cult hero. And I think it's how they work themselves into the fan base. And Milan was really good right off the bat. He wanted to immediately engage with the fan base and he used his social media to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, Constantly praising the city, his teammates. He was very vocal uh, about his love for the city and moving there with his family. Uh, So that helps Uh, But you need to be able to pick aspects of their personality to really showcase on social in terms of getting fans on board quickly, because it's a conscious effort. Once we see areas that fans are liking about a player, that's what I'm pushing out. Like that's what we're focusing on. That's what we're moving forward with. That's how we're going to market this player to our fan base. And Milan played along with it perfectly. He understood. He want, like he was very, very passionate about coming to Calgary. He wants to make it work. He loves the city. His family really likes the city. His kids are really enjoying their schools. So for him, it's just a perfect fit. Um, and he was able to use his own personality to really bolster that. But we immediately can pick up on what fans are liking about a player or disliking, so to stay away. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of being able to market a new player, you have to know your fan base really well and your audience and the tendencies they have when it comes to players and how they react to players. So with Cam, uh, goalies are always a hot button topic too, right? Goalies are like one day they're gods, the next day they're the worst thing, right? Because it's the most polarizing position, unfortunately. That's why they're gods people, Tori. Yeah. 
They just, and they're a different breed of people too. Like you have to, it's people say it, goalies are weird. They're just weird. And that's not a bad thing. It's a yeah. good thing. It makes yeah. them, they're wired differently. Yep. To be the last line of defense, you have to be wired a little differently. So goalies are actually easy to market. And Cam is just such a, he's such a good guy. And he always yeah. has been. He's always been known as like Mr. Good Guy around the league. So mm-hmm. easy to come in and transition. His, his temperament is polar opposite from David Riddick in the sense that David is so gregarious and like enthusiastic and goofy. Like he's funny and goofy yeah. and like loud, whereas Cam is more reserved in like this polite good guy role. They play off each other perfectly. So yeah. we were really lucky when we had that because they, the two personalities are so different, but they mix so well. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, perhaps Cam needs to take some lessons on big, from Big Save Dave on how to huddle, uh, cuddle Matt after a game. Maybe. <laughs> um, what would you say to somebody who's starting off in social media, maybe for a local club or a business, where would you tell them to get started for all their social media? What would you say is the easiest thing to do? Uh, you know what is, look at, I always say you have to study the brands that you love. It may not be an industry that you're in, but say you're a big fan of, I don't know, F1 racing and you see what you have your favorite accounts study what they do to understand how they're engaging with their audience because social media is all about engaging with people and providing mm-hmm. them with something that they want uh so what are these brands doing when it comes to those aspects how can you take lessons that what from what they're doing and apply it to your brand also look at your own industry yeah. um so say you're working in retail you're handling a retail social account you should be looking at retail brands and how they're using their social media channels to reach their audience. Um, what they're doing more like instead of just blasting out sales, you know, every day or mm-hmm. you know, price tags or ads, you need to be doing something engaging. So find retailers or whatever industry it may be that are doing things that are engaging with their fan base and their audience, because that's the brands that build up loyalty with their audience. And that audience will stick around because of how you use social. You are so going to get 101 questions when you and I find <laughs> um, Okay, some questions from the fans. Here's mine. This, okay. is, this is important for me. Is the Flaming Horse going to make a comeback? I, you know what? Honestly, I don't know. But I feel like because it's such a cult hero, Blasty will have to have some kind of resurgence in some way. Gold. But I don't. We, we're so like, I think 2020 has put everyone on their heels so much that even looking to next season, we're like, let's just go through the playoffs. Let's make a run. Yeah. So I'm not sure what the future looks like for Blasty, but definitely in terms of social media, like I've been using the horse a lot more. Yeah, no, Fans love a, him. I've got a wallpaper. So it's all good. <laughs> uh, and uh, you, you missed, you got that miss. You got that wrong as well. You said, we're going to make a run for the playoffs. You meant to say when we win the cup. Yes, uh, okay, the yeah. Perfect. Right. If Tori Peterson had a walkout song because she was playing in the flames, what would it be? <laughs> oh my gosh. Probably something. This is so lame and everyone will laugh, but I love Taylor Swift. I have no shame. It would be ah. a Taylor Swift song and it would be from the album 1989. I don't know which song yet. Cause I have many favorites, yeah. but it would be one of her upbeat, maybe bad blood. I love that song. Uh, I there see your, I see your tweets about uh, Taylor Swift all the time. And I just, uh, that the last one you put out this, this album, oh my God. And I was just laughing yes. and laughing. <laughs> I was like, yeah, perfect. Good work. Who has some of the best social media presence in your uh, sort of view at the moment? Oh, you know what? I really like uh, Liverpool FC. 
um, because they have found a way to really amplify pair, players' personalities. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, massive club, huge yep. fan base all over the world. Uh, but they're not doing anything outside of, you know, normal common sense rules on social media. They've just found a way to really reach their fan base. They found a way to communicate really well mm -hmm. um, and really showcase their, their stars' personalities. Um, and they have many of them, obviously, like incredible athletes on that football club. But um, in Canada, I really like Arlene Dickinson. She is a businesswoman at Space here in Calgary. I don't know mm -hmm. if she's from Calgary, but she lives here. Uh, she's on the television show Dragon's Den, which is yep. when entrepreneurs feed pit or take pitches from people. Uh, her social media throughout 2020, I think, has really been, um, I don't know. Uh, it's a spotlight has been put on it because she's so positive and real. Uh, there's no crap. She's just genuine, um, yeah. through the highs and the lows. Yeah. So I think like for me personally, I, she was kind of a revelation in terms of, uh, like, how was I not following this woman before this? Right. Um, her tweets are incredible and her social media presence is incredible and it's real. The best flames lineup since you've started at the flames is what? <laughs> Ooh. Like, oh, you know what? Like right now I, I think you're, you're seeing something special being built. I really do. Um, you have a really unique group of players in our lineup right now. And some of them, uh, well, most of them are, are drafted by us. So they're homegrown, so to speak. Yep. Uh, I think anything after Johnny Goudreau got into the lineup back in uh, 2013, if I'm dating myself there, I think. Yeah. Trying to remember uh, when. So, so good. Yeah. We'll let it go. Uh, 2013. I'm yeah, seven years ago. Yeah. Uh, so, I think anything with Johnny in the lineup um, is it would be in there. I I do love the Lindholm addition. I think that really bolsters him and Monahan. Mm -hmm. um, defense. Mark Giordano is obviously never aged ever in yeah. his life. Yeah. I know. Every time I see Incredible. him, I'm like, amazing. And yeah. when TJ Brody is playing at his peak him and Mark Giordano are an incredible defensive tandem. I think they're underrated in the league. Yeah. Uh, Goaltending, it's all over the map. Obviously, I'm a big Kipper fan. Like, Kipper was huge yeah. growing up, so I understand. And I, I have a hard time ranking, like, the 80s teams that did so well and won yeah. the Cup because I was either not born or an infant. So yeah. um, I'm going to go with the, with the – that's my starting lineup. If I could make a starting lineup, that's it. That'll work. Uh, now, question for you. Are we going to see Kipper's jersey retired? Uh, you know what? I, I wouldn't doubt it. I, I don't think it's outlandish to think that. Uh, Jerome obviously was such a, a massive part of Calgary mm -hmm. and here for a long time. Um, right, like with a new building coming, I think you're going to start to see more discussions about how we can integrate these really cornerstone players that have retired, like Kipper, uh, and how they we want to build them into the new building. Um, so I'll I'm not sure there's any direct plans right now for yep. it, but I, I, would, I wouldn't doubt it. And to give you some idea of how far your reach is, and I don't think you kind of realize this, I once <laughs> met a lady on a beach whose dog's name was Kipper, and I said to her, <laughs> she was Canadian, I said, Kiprasov from the Calgary Flames. And she's like, oh, my God. And I'm like, <laughs> and she said, yeah, that's who he's named after. I'm like, awesome. Uh, who's, your, who's been your favorite player to work with over your 10 years there not so i'm not going to put any pressure on okay. now for the best player because that'd be awkward uh but who's been your favorite player to work with like media wise uh michael backland is incredible 
just uh i don't think he gets the spotlight he deserves he doesn't want the spotlight no, so yeah. it's intentional uh but an absolutely incredible human being who devotes uh an, an incredible amount of time to charity causes close to his and his wife's heart um i also think he's pretty underrated as a player but he has been such a great human being to work with he is just a genuinely great human uh, Matthew Kachuk's also been incredible from day one. It, it is, it's shocking to me how mature he was when we drafted him. Cause I yeah. remember meeting, I'm like, you can't be 18. You don't speak like an 18 year old. Yeah. No offense to 18 year olds, but this is just not what they yeah. speak like. There's just, he was, I think growing up with a, a dad who played pro hockey and being around that atmosphere, he has a really great understanding of what it's like to be an NHLer before he was even an NHLer and how to live a life uh, in a professional spotlight like he's in. Mm -hmm. So he's been from a, a media standpoint. Oh, Matthew is, he's great. He awesome. knows exactly what he's doing. Oh, that's good. All right. Last question. And I know that you know what it is. <laughs> So it's eulogy day for Tori Peterson. Uh, and I have no doubt that Harvey will be making an appearance there somewhere. Um, but you're, you're lying there and you can actually hear what they're saying at Tori Peterson's, Tori Peterson's eulogy. What would you hope they'll say about Tori? Uh, you know can I, can I take Phil Kessel's quote? Like, yeah, yeah. You take like, nice, nice girl, works hard, loves hockey. There you go. Boom, we'll just change work. girl. We'll just yeah. change guy from girl. Yeah. I love that line from him. Nice guy, loves hockey, works hard. That's all you need. And then the goal horn goes off and it's all done. All good. There you go. Perfect. All right. That was that. Thank you very much for your time. Um, oh, no worries. Cappuccino with Constable Brian. Real people, real stories. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss his next podcast.